Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Play a player. Okay. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I love you. Right. I feel like Alexa. Yeah, I was say, you just turned Alexis, not <laughs> no, Alexa. Alexis. Yes. Alexa is not a person. Oh my God. I'm sharing an anniversary David. with Ashley. <laughs> Did you think it would be me you would be having a one year anniversary with? No, that's actually really sad and pathetic sounding, but it's not. I'm pleased to share an anniversary with you. So Lainey and I have been officially recording for a year. So happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Oh my gosh, those little <laughs> T-Rex arms. <laughs> um, okay, so I tried to plan a special property for today, something that just is haunted real estate. And I think I found just the right property. In case you didn't read the title to this episode, because it's hard to like surprise you with what the episode's going to be when it's in the dang title. Um, But we are diving into the fascinating and haunted history of Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, I love a good prison. Yep. This is the origin of America's modern penal system from 1829 to 1913. And it has a very long history, and I mean, I'm not doing this in two parts, but it could easily be covered in multiple parts. You just had to use penal. Sorry. Mm. I just, sometimes you're just going to have to... Mature. It doesn't mean penis. (laughs) That makes you feel any better. I know. So before we hop in, let's talk about the different schools of thought on prisons. Um, And I think it's an important conversation because we have a very flawed system. And I don't really know of prison systems that are just like working perfectly anywhere because you have some where it's like, you know, severe punishment, like chop off your hand and you have rehabilitation and, you know, there's just so many different schools of thought. But I don't think any system that we have is ever going to be perfect. Our medical system, our political system, prisons. No, I mean, it's just you're never going to get it perfect. No, no, no. It's not going to be perfect, but it's more flawed than it needs to be. Yeah. So I worked at an alternative school for my entire teaching career, and even though I was working a different part of the system, like obviously I wasn't working in the prison system, um, I could see the cycle many of my kids were going to fall into because it was a disciplined campus. Kids were sent there for whatever reason they got kicked out of of their regular public school. Mm-hmm. And it's gut-wrenching just seeing, just knowing that uh, a lot of these, is that a dog at the door? Yeah. That scared me. God, there's a lot of, there, it took a long time to get set up today. There were a lot of like weird sounds and echoes and the roadcaster was all messed up and I don't know why. Um, so anyway, so especially these kids that don't have a supportive environment that, you know, that aren't fostering their education and their growth, it just, you know, they're going to end up products of a broken system. So this is a topic that's pretty near and dear to me. Prisons are pretty much looked at as whether they should be punitive or reformative. 
Basically, do we punish or do we try to rehabilitate or reform people to go back into society? So we know that being too focused on punishing can be very negative. Every single crime is different, um, so every consequence should be treated differently. The motive behind the crime should also play a factor. So we know there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer here. And like we said, like there's just not going to be a perfect system. But on the flip side, reforming is also very difficult. On the one hand, some people just should not go back into society. And I'm talking like dangerous criminals, violent criminals, and especially those that are repeat offenders. They just put the public safety at risk. But those that aren't violent criminals, like more like petty criminals, um, they get put back into society, to society, but oftentimes they struggle finding a job or safe housing. Uh, the way the system is set up, if they don't have family or friends that can help them get a job or find adequate housing, the likelihood that they end up back in prison, maybe even just for food and shelter, could be very high. So the system is broken without a great answer on how to remedy this. This has been an issue pretty much since forever. And there's a lot of philosophies that have tried to create the best system possible with varying degrees of success. And for the sake of the prison conversation, because I think it's not talked about enough, you also have public prisons and private prisons. What brings one to a public and what brings one to a private? Well, it's a good question. That probably has to do with how full a public prison might be. So basically, a public prison is a nonprofit prison and a private prison is a for-profit prison. Public and nonprofit prisons are, yes, public or nonprofit prisons are owned by the government. They have to provide the build, the building, the staff, the resources, maintenance, you name it. It's very expensive to imprison somebody. They're like the, the inmate is no longer working in society. They're not adding to the economy and they're being paid for by the taxpayer. A public prison in general wants to rehabilitate so that they can return people back to society so that they can become tax-paying citizens again. Private prisons are run like corporation, and as the name indicates, they are not run by the government. The government may have a contract with a private prison to house a certain number of inmates and pay them per day per inmate. Private prisons want more criminals because they get paid per criminal, or inmate, I should say inmate, uh, which means that they want more prisons, stricter laws, and stricter law enforcement to keep the money rolling in. That's kind of fucked up. It's a really fucked up system, yes. Um, the government does contract private prisons very often. Uh, they even have lobbyists to help ensure the private prisons help law. They have lobbyists for private prisons (laughs) to help ensure that their prisons remain filled. Uh, They don't want vacancies. Vacancies mean no money. Uh, So obviously that's also an extremely flawed. Please go out and murder more people so we can make more money. Right. Like they're the ones that want extremely strict like drug laws, especially like marijuana. Like you have some places that are decriminalizing it. You have private prisons that don't want to decriminalize it because they want them to be able to go to jail. God, I can't even imagine being in jail for marijuana. I mean, it's just so stupid now. It, yeah. <laughs> like we're yeah. far past that. Yeah. There's opinion. bigger fish to fry that that's just kind of very small potatoes. Yeah. Um, so I do encourage you to research these topics because it is a problem and I don't have an answer for this. I have my personal opinions, but um, I just think we need to stop turning a blind eye to a very clear problem because it's just becoming a very corrupt system. So now let's get in our way back machine and go back to Eastern State Penitentiary and how it came to be. I feel like we should have like a warping sound. <laughs> or like me me and you and like Austin Powers when he goes back in time and it's in that like little revolving oh swirly. <laughs> yes. 
Um, we could definitely do a dumb dance. Actually, I think that was Dr. Evil's machine, not not Austin's. Uh, so let's go back to post-American revolution in the late 1700s. Solitary confinement was rarely used. If it was, it was for a maximum of a few days. It was really a last resort to uh, prisoners as punishment. And I suppose they thought it was inhumane, but it's interesting to think about a time where slavery was totally acceptable, but solitary confinement was considered over the line. Oh yeah, that's ass backwards. I don't like that. And this isn't, I'm going to talk because Eastern State is all about solitary confinement. This isn't necessarily my opinion on solitary confinement, but anything used to an extreme is going to be bad. So from easternstate.org, in 1787, a group of well-known, powerful Philadelphians convened in the home of Benjamin Franklin. Yes, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin? Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. Uh, the members of the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons, the PSAMPP, because they could not find a shorter name, oh, yeah. uh, expressed growing concern for the conditions in the American and European prisons. Dr. Benjamin Rush spoke on the society's goals to see the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania set the international standard in prison design. He proposed a radical idea to build a true penitentiary, a prison designed to create genuine regret and penitence. That's a hard word for me to say. Penitence in the criminal's heart. The concept grew from the enlightenment thinking, but no government had successfully carried out such a program. So the idea here was to also leave behind corporal punishment and poor treatment of prisoners. And this was a Quaker inspired idea. You know, they're like a like a peaceful people. <laughs> like a peaceful people. Peaceful people. But the criminal spent this time in quiet reflection. They would become penitent and which is how we get the word penitentiary because they were supposed to find like true regret and penance and pray and find God, basically. That makes sense. But this idea would take over 30 years to come to fruition. Come 1794, prisons began overcrowding. Overcrowding comes with a whole mess of problems. Yellow fever and tuberculosis would run rampant through the prisons. It's less safe where there are too many people, when there's just too many people packed into one space. The other obvious issue is more people meant it was easier to congregate and then conspire, which led to disobedience. There were also more escapes. Even though earlier prisons were seen as more humane, the view from the outside was that there was a clear problem. Like, obviously, you don't want to be the person living next to a prison and there's escapes. Oh, hell no. So society began thinking, maybe we need to enforce stronger punishment to prevent people from going to prison in the first place or scare them into not acting out. And it's not always about punishment, but just trying to find a better solution to prevent this overcrowding, which is how we came to the idea of a more military-like approach to the prison system, which led to a change. Come early 18th, 1820s, the United States, or more specifically the states themselves, were looking to reform prisons. In many states, solitary confinement seemed like the answer. If prisoners can't talk to anyone, then they can't riot or are less likely to escape. It would solve the issue of people congregating and conspiring. That certainly would. Just leads to other problems if you're in a completely silent system. Uh, yeah, no. Remember I told you about the guy who was arrested for a DUI and he accidentally got put in solitary and he was stuck there for months and like went insane and like he was supposed to be just kind of in and out for a DUI 
Oh my gosh. How did they accidentally? Like, Something wasn't recorded, right? Like some guard put him in there thinking, I guess he was somebody else. And then just like left him there? Mm hmm. That is so shitty. I know. But that, like, it people need... are like child rapists and murderers definitely, yeah. Put well, them and in even silence. so, it's like problem prisoners. Yeah. Like, there's reasons to put somebody in solitary confinement. I'm not sitting here saying we need to abolish it. I don't work in the prison. So, like, I can't give my two cents on that. And I fully say that. Like, this is nothing to say about people in prisons. Like, I don't know what it's like. Yeah. This is really focused on, like, these are the problems with solitary confinement on, like, a mass scale. Yeah. Which we do see. I mean, that's what Pelican Bay is in California. I mean, it's a, like, super maximum prison that's pretty, I mean, it's supposed to be full solitary confinement. That'd be another interesting property to cover one day. That would. That's probably bum me out, though. Yeah. Um, December 1820, the governor of Pennsylvania, William Finley, requested that the legislature authorize funding to go to a state penitentiary. After the governor gave the message, the Senate formed a committee, which came together January 27th, 1821. They brought to the floor of the legislature the same message and requested funds to be authorized to the step to start building a state state penitentiary. The committee pleaded that the safety of the jailers was very much at risk with the current prison situation. In one prison uprising, there was an escape of a prisoner. The prison bells went off indicating the escape. Ordinary citizens uh, around the area banded together with their muskets, which ended up leading to the death of an innocent man. So there was a letter sent before the state Congress describing the issue of bringing prisoners of all walks of life together. And here's a little excerpt of that letter. The petty thief becomes the pupil of the highway robber. The beardless boy listens with delight to the well-told tale of daring exploits and the hairbreadth escapes of the hoary-headed villainy. And from Hoary-headed villainy? Yes, that's like, hoary is like gray-haired, like older person. The beardless boy. (laughs) The beardless boy. Okay. And from experience of age derives instruction which fits him to to be a pest and terror to society. So basically this was saying that since there wasn't enough space to separate people, you have experienced criminals educating and even initiating the youths that maybe would have had a chance otherwise, which makes sense. You don't want to put them all together. Yeah. And some so, some people just can't survive that. You're putting two different kinds of yeah wrong together. One is not murder. Maybe he did steal something. And yeah. then one maybe slaughtered a bunch of people. Like that's, they don't belong together. Yeah. We saw that all the time though at my school. Like you have kids who would commit like actual real heinous crimes, which I like, I don't want to talk about on here. And then the kid who smoked pot or, you know, drink a football game or whatever where it's like yeah those are different things and you probably don't need to be sitting here next to each other yeah so with um this letter in this committee came the authorization of funding for eastern state penitentiary the overcorrection and extreme opposite of the previous systems so the other system used primarily was the auburn system the auburn system which comes out of new york was where prisoners worked in factory-like rooms and performed assembly line labor and then at the end of the day they would go to their solitary cells which was very small because it was meant for one person alone and they didn't do much in the room other than like sleep, eat, and poop. Yeah. They were required to remain silent in confinement and had to keep their heads down. They were run military-like. They had striped 
kept uniforms, they even marched, and any misbehavior would end in a lashing usually. The punishment was usually very physical, and by the time the Civil War ended, this system was becoming um, a little bit less common, and people were looking for a change. Um, The Pennsylvania system started in 1829 at Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. So this is a good on paper, bad in practice system. Prisoner, I mean, I I should say sounds good on paper, but like in reality, there's no way it was going to ever make sense. Yeah. Prisoners would be put in separate cells that were large enough to work in, sleep in, pray, read, and exercise. So this was not like mass producing. So they were not like in assembly lines working. You were by yourself in a room. So the rooms were bigger, but you weren't leaving that room. So they also had a private yard to get some outdoor time. So far, like none of that sounds too bad, but this is full solitary confinement. The system does not allow prisoners to talk to each other ever, and rarely could they even speak to guards or anybody that worked there. The overseers and administrators would have to have had special permission to be able to speak to a prisoner. Prisoners were also hooded to keep their identity secret so they could integrate into society once they finished out their sentence and they wouldn't be stigmatized. And interesting. we're going to put it on Instagram, but the pictures of their hooded faces is actually really scary. It kind of reminds me, you can look it up, but um, reminds me of the nurses on Silent Hill. Oh. Like just complete, like a covered up, yeah. like not like a big hood where you're kind of like the grim reaper but there's like an opening it's like covers the whole face it's like a kkk mask no honestly it just reminds me that here i have a picture of it on here i just have to scroll let me scroll all the way down that's that's interesting though i i I don't know how oh yeah that's the nurses from silent hill right that's like but it's like a man instead it's It's like a mummy yeah that's creepy it's super creepy looking so imagine the ghostly tales that have to do with walking around with that hood on your face Imagine working there being surrounded by people with those hoods. Yeah, I don't know what you look like. I don't know who you are. Like, it, that whole thing seems so scary to me. So Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, their identities were kept a secret so that they'd be able to integrate into society. So, this was to prevent um, them from being stigmatized. So, again, the initial idea is like they all sound good because we know that stigmatism is what puts a lot of people back in prison because they can't find a job, they can't find housing. They're being rejected by society. Um, And so I like to believe that, you know, it it was supposed to be good. Um, In an ideal world in this system, an inmate would reflect on their crimes, find God, regret their decision, and go back into society without people necessarily knowing they went to prison. But that's just not how it plays out. Mm Mm-mm. Like I said, some ideas are just better on paper. So the biggest difference between the Auburn system and the Pennsylvania system was this. Uh, Auburn allowed prisoners to congregate, at least during times of labor, and Pennsylvania did not, ever. Auburn system had assembly line work, which was more efficient, um, and they would make like products and goods that, you know, would go out to sell. And Pennsylvania had each man doing their own work, making their own product or whatever. It was usually like shoes or something like that solely in solitary confinement. So it was much less efficient. Auburn had uniforms, but everybody knew who each other were. Um, Pennsylvania's identities remained anonymous. And I think they did have a kind of uniform, but not in the same way. Auburn was also much more punishment focused and Pennsylvania was not supposed to be that way. Um, The isolation was both punishment and reflection time. So actually in Pennsylvania, they may have begged for work because it was something to do. Like they like boredom. So I think the word for Eastern State Penitentiary would be lonely. If if we were to describe it in one word, we would say lonely or I would. Yeah. 
Um, Even before Eastern State received their first prisoner, there uh, were people that were against this new system. Some people argued, and rightfully so, that Pennsylvania system was cruel and inhuman, or inhumane, I forgot the E, and ultimately would be a detriment to the prisoners, causing them deterioration in both their physical and mental well-being. I can imagine. I already feel sad and depressed just hearing about it. I know I would not last long there. We won't keep it sad and depressing the whole time, but it is trying to paint a picture of like probably the mental state of most people going in. Charles Dickens went into the prison and not as a prisoner, but he went to visit the prison in 1842 and he was very outspoken against the system. He said, I am persuaded that those who design the system do not know what it is they are doing. I hold the slow and daily tampering from the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. Wow. But nevertheless, they kept going with that system. Um, And I wouldn't say the Pennsylvania system spread rapidly through the United States because Only a few other states decided to give it a try. Uh, Rhode Island was one of them, and they only did it for about six years before abandoning it. And New Jersey did it for about 30-ish years, but they did not follow the system the way it was supposed to be. Um, So they were more loosey-goosey with the rules from the get-go. The Pennsylvania system ultimately has the largest criticism amongst the other tried and unsuccessful systems. So the budget for the building was $100,000, but come 1836, it had cost $780,000, which is over $25 million today. Wow. So typical. They went almost eight times over the budget. Yes. Good Lord. Um, Alexis de Tocqueville famously visited the prison in 1831 and reported back to the French government. Thrown in solitude, the prisoner reflects. Placed alone in the view of his crime, he learns to hate it. And if his soul be not yet surfeited with the crime and thus have lost all taste for anything better. It is in solitude where remorse will come to assail him. Can there be a combination more powerful for reformation than that of a prison which hands over the prisoner to all the trials of solitude, leads him through reflection to remorse, through religion to hope, makes him industrious by the burden of idleness? After his writings and stamp of approval, more than 300 prisons worldwide would model the Eastern State Penitentiary. So. It did spread, just not rapidly in the United States. Yeah. When Eastern State Penn opened, it was massive and became the most famous prison in the world. So the building was designed by British-born architect John Haviland. I'm sorry if Haviland. I mis- sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, if you've never seen a picture of Eastern State, you absolutely need to. So there's a central rotunda and then seven cell blocks coming off of it, and then like a big, huge like brick wall all on all sides of it. So it kind of looks like the inside looks like a big windmill. Like if you look from top yeah so the inside resembles a church with vaulted ceilings and arched windows and this is done by design since it was a penitentiary they wanted it to look like a church but on the outside of the prison was much more scary looking um its gothic style was meant to intimidate well yeah keep people from wanting right you don't want them to go in yeah (laughs) each prison uh prison cell i'm sorry each of the private cells had central heat running water, flushing toilets, and a skylight, which is interesting because even the White House at the time with Andrew Jackson in office did not have running water or central heat. So this prison was state of the art. And I'm not saying it was the place to be, but like it had a lot of amenities that not everybody had. Yeah. The only light though came through the skylight, which was small. And during the daylight hours, you could basically do one of two things spend time reading the Bible, which was your only reading material, or work, which was usually weaving or shoemaking. So the basic idea was solitary confinement, feel bad about what you did, learn a trade, find Jesus, 
Those are the main goals. So they had been running experiments for solitary confinement in the 1800s, which is, you're like, why did you keep going with this? Because some of the experiments were terrible. Maine did an experiment with pure solitary confinement that lasted three years. The ex- One the ex- person in solitary for three years? I'm glad you asked that because I was about to clarify. The experiment <sighs> went on for three years of multiple experiments. Okay. Simeon Record spent four days in solitary, pure solitary confinement before he hung himself to the grate of the cell with a piece of uh, lashing of his hammock. Oh my gosh. Isaac Martin spent two years in solitary, I'm sorry, not two years, two terms in solitary confinement. The first term was 24 days. And then a few months later, it was 25 days before he then cut his throat. Which then makes you wonder, were you waiting until they killed themselves? Like, was that the experiment? Is how long does it take for somebody to, like, absolutely lose their mind? Yeah, that's... Which, it's a dark, super shitty experiment because everybody has a different level of tolerance. Yeah. Like, some of the people that did okay in solitary confinement were, like, military. People from the military. Yeah, like, okay, well, you have a different training. part of their training, yeah. Nathaniel Parsons had to be pardoned from solitary after spending 43 days, then 8 days, then 20 days in solitary confinement. Like, he, he had serious health issues. Um, one study in New York said approximately 7% of prisoners go into solitary confinement, but it accounts for more than 50% of the injuries in prison. Wow. Which, like, again... What does that tell you? First prisoner at Eastern State Penitentiary served two years of solitary confinement for stealing. Specifically, he stole a gold watch. But prisoners had like long sentences in at Eastern State. These weren't like short, a few months of solitary confinement. Yeah. So an expert excerpt. From the book, The Deviant Prison by Ashley Rubin, which was one of the primary sources here, she said, the prisoner examines the room's few contents, the bed. There are clo- there's a clothes rail, seat shelf, tin cup, wash bin, victual pan, a looking glass, a comb, scrubbing brush, and sweeping brush. The bedside on which he will sleep tonight is vertical, affixed to the wall, out of the way for the day. At night, he will fold it to lie on the straw mattress with one sheet, one blanket, and one coverlet. He can see a sliver of sky through a rectangle skylight in the center of the ceiling. He stares at it as the panic begins to set in. For what seems like days, the prisoner hears a latch moving. It's not on the side with the door, but the wall opposite. The wall between the cell and the corridor. He approaches, opens a small square wooden door, and retrieves his meal. He cannot see out, nor can he see the person who delivers the meal. It's some broth and mutton, some okra as well, and some other fresh vegetables from the garden he does not know grows between the cell blocks. Or within the neglected, I'm sorry, with the newly erected greenhouse he cannot see. After another eternity, the light fades. It's deathly silent as he lies in bed. Dreading the years to come, in the morning he retrieves bread and coffee from the meal slot, a new day. After several more hours, a guard comes and leads him to the outside through the double doors he had entered the day before. Outside his cell, you can see a walled-in a walled-in yard mirroring the dimensions of his cell. He is told to exercise and breathe in fresh air. He has an hour. Outside, the prisoner whispers a message against the wall, but no one answers. He can hear others shuffling around in the yard, but they are far away, not in the yard on either side of his. The hour passes far too quickly and the guard returns. Escorting the prisoner back inside, the guard tells the prisoner that in the future, he can grow various plants to supplement his rations if he wishes. This time, when the guard leaves... He again locks the metal grate, but leaves the outside wooden door open for ventilation. From this angle, the prisoner can see a bit of blue sky. More time passes. The evening meal arrives. The day repeats like this. This guy stole a watch? This is what it'd be like to like walk into the prison. And so your first few days, like you wouldn't, you weren't given work. You were basically like 
supposed to be bored out of your mind. So then you would want to work when it was finally given to you. Yeah. Again, it's meant for reflection and penance and you're going to be completely bored. So depressing. Um, So one of the many first investigations was in 1834. So literally five years after the prison opened, uh, the legislator investigated the warden, Warden Wood. He was being accused of embezzling public property and was allowing immoral contact with employees and inmates. Um, They were also being investigated for cruel and unusual punishment. It wasn't um, implementing the Pennsylvania system, which was supposed to which was not supposed to have corporal punishment, but they did. He was also accused of misappropriating inmate labor for his own profit and punishing inmates so severely that one died. 65 witnesses in 37 days were questioned. One of the staff, Leonard Flager, who worked in the Smith shop, testified in April of 1833. Wardenwood ordered that an iron gag be placed on the prisoner, <sighs> Mateus McComsey. The iron gag fit over the prisoner's tongue like a horse bridle and pinned... Uh, their arms to their back. Oh my god! So if <laughs> so, if the prisoner or the victim of the iron gag were to squirm around and try and free themselves, it would tear their tongue. Which I'm guessing is what happened. He may have ripped his tongue out, and I I don't know, bled to death or something. This is heavy AF. It is heavy. I'm sorry. Uh, Warden Wood would ultimately not be charged with any wrongdoing, but there is a prisoner that goes down as having died by an iron gag. Like it's it's in the, the not the reports. What do you call it? You know what I'm saying? Archives? Yeah, it's in the archives. Okay. So even though nobody was charged, it did seriously start to affect the reputation of the prison. Wow. Wardens know better than some of the prisoners in there. No. Well, shit. So prisoners did start going insane by, but the physicians at Eastern State said that, well, it's mostly African-American prisoners. And they claimed that African-Americans had a predisposition to mental illness. So it was more of their genetics than it was the prison, Mm. which is obviously hogwash. Even if African-Americans did have a higher rate of mental illness at the time, the prison certainly doesn't help. But also the time period, because like you're still here before the Civil War. So you're during times of slavery. Mm-hmm. And then right after the Civil War, post-Civil War was, like, not a great time either. Um, so that had to take a toll on a lot of people that were considered a minority. Um, they also argued that somebody that went insane, it was probably because they masturbated too much. But <laughs> So. You think that would make them a little more relaxed? Yeah. Um, I mean, frankly, like, you don't have a lot to do. And yeah. you're not seeing, like, other people, and you're not seeing faces, and you're not socializing. And you're wrapped up like a burn victim mummy. Yeah, like. not trying to, like, be gross, but it, it's an activity. Yeah. Um. So it was by the 1850s that the uh, that Eastern State began overcrowding. Due to overcrowding, they became more relaxed on the rules. So solitary confinement was less and less implemented. By the 1860s, prisoners were starting to have to share cells. So the solitary confinement idea, it's not gone, but they're not living in pure solitary confinement. And this was largely um, in part to the fact that crime was up post-Civil War. And this is because soldiers came home and had a hard time finding work because the economy is poo-poo when, you know, buildings were being they all... They haven't even figured out what PTSD is yet at that point, right? No. Yeah. No. There's a lot of mental challenges going on. Oh, I can't... Yeah, and I can't imagine. I mean, you're fighting on your own soil, maybe even near, like, your own home. Who knows? But, like, so much stuff is going on. Yeah. There was an economic depression in the United States around 1873, and by 1876, unemployment was at a at 15%. So, a lot of people without work, people making very low wages so 
a lot of people had to resort to crime just to get by. So the amount of convictions were a lot higher. So by 1881, less than half of the prisoners were actually in solitary confinement. By 1889, unemployment hit 18%. Wow. So other prisoner, uh, other prisons that had adopted the Pennsylvania plan had begun to move away from it due to the fact that it was not profitable. No one had the space to have solitary confinement on a mass level. So the Auburn plan, remember they were mass producing products while Pennsylvania was like a one-man show in each of their rooms or cells. I shouldn't even call them rooms. So the vision for the Pennsylvania plan does not remain. Uh, The idea of a limited amount of uh, prisoners able to reflect on their crime was at best okay. Um, In reality, it just drove prisoners mad. Torture did happen, even though it wasn't supposed to, and it also didn't stop from the overcrowding. So eventually they ended up putting two to three inmates in cell blocks together, um, adding more, um, well, in a cell together. And then they'd add more cell blocks, removing the natural light that came in. No. Yeah, so then that became a whole other problem. They removed their private yards so that they could build more cells. A lot of the cells were shut off from the exterior, so there might not be any natural light whatsoever. So they had to move into the cells Uh, Some of them were in total darkness because they had to deal with the overflow of prisoners. So the prison had started with the capacity to hold 300 prisoners if they stayed in solitary confinement. And by the 1920s, they had 2,000 prisoners. Holy moly. So they were way over capacity. So they even had to start building cells below ground that definitely had no light, had no windows or plumbing. Oh my God. So the conditions just kept worsening for the inmates. So it became less and less about redemption and more about punishment. Um, I might actually cry on this episode. This is so upsetting to me. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to get you to cry. You always do. I'm just kidding. kidding. (laughs) Um, The concept they're trying to get away from at the beginning was, of course, focused on punishment. And so it's not doing anything that they wanted it to. So basically by 1913, the Pennsylvania system was dead. It was barely being followed for the last couple of decades. So let's talk about some of the drama within the walls of Eastern State now that I've laid out a really depressing scene for you. Um, I'm going to give this to you kind of like a timeline. Keep in mind that the prison had very little oversight in the first 50 years, meaning like whoever was running the prison was basically doing whatever they wanted. There was very little like outside people coming in and, and doing very much to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, so first off, complete silence for years of a sentence was impossible. So inmates that were in silence for a long time would become angry, agitated, violent. Uh, therefore, the guards, I'm, I'm going to say had to, I, whatever, um, started using physical punishment to help keep the silence. So corporal punishment, not having corporal punishment didn't last. Like they started going to that pretty quick. One major act of violence in 1873 was a prisoner there for counterfeit. His name was Gregor. He smashed his cellmate's head into the wall, which nearly killed him. Also in 1873, an overseer was murdered by an inmate while transferring him to another cell. So that was a guard that was killed. March 27th, 1881, an inmate named Charles Decker hanged himself with a noose from his linen shirt. According strong to, shirt. It is a strong <laughs> shirt. Uh, according to an article in 1881, there were 11 insane inmates. Now, the word insane in 1881, like, what, what does that mean? We don't know. Yeah. So the prison supposedly did not notify the government that the prison was not the proper place for them and they wanted a hospital for the actual insane population which sounded like um, it was going to be fairly small Uh, many of those considered insane which also happened to be the problem inmates were often clubbed by the guards so they wanted maybe somewhere separate to put them there was a prisoner named archibald white that was supposedly insane again insane is the word they're using uh what 
that actually means, I don't know, but it was just used very loosely. So his aunt had been advocating for her nephew, which was Archibald White, um, that he was actually insane and needed to be moved to an asylum rather than to stay in prison. She went to a judge and said that he was sick and dying in prison. He wasn't fit to work and therefore was being punished because he wasn't working, even though he physically was unable. When the judge had this investigated, they found Archibald naked and chained to the floor of his cell, emaciated. So they'd basically also been starving him. So the judge was appalled and did bring doctors to Archibald to see if he was actually insane because the overseers were saying he was just outright refusing to work. So that's why he was being punished. So they did find that he was, again, insane um, and was removed to an asylum which if you remember our asylum episode, conditions may not have been radically better for him, but I hope he was put in a better environment where people could tend to his needs. Yeah. Um, which by that point was probably both mental, men, mental, sorry, mental and physical. But the incident did lead to an investigation on other prisoners that had been treated similar to Archibald, which was not a one-off situation. They also found the walls to be filthy, the food inedible, and the overseers and guards were abusive. Public opinion did side with the judge, who uh, his name was Judge Gordon, who really wanted oversight and accountability over the prison's administrators, who were basically just trying to act above the law. So the prison was touted as a humane system, but was really not. So due to this domino effect, the Pennsylvania legislator did pass a law in 1905 to establish an institution <laughs> to help those with mental illnesses, and that did open in 1912. That's good. So other events at Eastern State Penitentiary. Joseph Taylor, who murdered an inmate named Michael Duran in 1884. After he carried out his murder, he reportedly quietly went back into his cell and went to sleep. And actually, that's one of the ghosts that wanders the hall today is the ghost of Joseph Taylor. Could you imagine being in prison and then also like having to deal with paranormal activity? Mm-mm. Like, does it get worse? Yeah, no, like, like sure being here is not already a problem. So, late 1880s, Pennsylvania passed laws that limited the amount of labor that could take place within the prison. This seriously went a goal against the goals of the penitentiary because the inmates were supposed to work and they were supposed to learn a skill. So that obviously is going to create a different problem. 1900, John Pfeiffer strangled his cellmate, John McBride, and then he committed suicide. Uh, June 1900, one of the overseers or guards went into a cell block and asked the inmate, Cornelius Bush, where's your cellmate? Because he was delivering breakfast. And he replied, he will not be bothering you anymore. And then the overseer noticed that there was a bundle on the floor. Didn't specify, but I imagine it was like a sheet. Mm -hmm. And asked another overseer to come over to find that in the bundle was the body of the cellmate, James Pratt. But it was his body missing the head. Uh, The head was wrapped separately in a shirt on the table in the cell. So the two apparently had argued about religion and then Cornelius Bush ended up bludgeoning Pratt with a stool and then decapitating him. Wow. I mean, really sticking to your faith there, buddy. (laughs) Or against James Pratt's faith anyway. 1901, Reinhard, uh, I think you pronounce it Buck, it's B-U-C-H, cut his throat with a razor in his cell. 1923, Leo Callahan and five accomplices armed with pistols successfully used a ladder they built to scale the east wall after holding up a group of unarmed guards. Callahan's accomplices eventually were apprehended, including one that made it as far as Honolulu, Hawaii. However, Callahan was never captured. Oh, I wonder where he went. There's a few that just fully disappeared and no one ever knew what happened to them. 
I like stories like that. You know, I know. Really like creepy. my mind goes wild with that. Cause I'm like, what could like, they could be anywhere. Are they dead? Did, you know, like you yeah. just don't know. Like a couple that happened with like Alcatraz too. Yeah. I remember that. Never knew where they went. Yeah. Did they become good people? Do they become one of them? H.H. Holmes or the, <laughs> the Reaper? <laughs> the Reaper. The Ripper. Jack the oh, Ripper. Oh, Jack the Ripper. I'm like, the, who's the Reaper? 1929, Al Capone served an eight-month sentence in Eastern State. He was serving time for carrying a concealed deadly weapon. And this was actually his first prison sentence. Um, from our Alcatraz episode, we did briefly discuss, I think, him at Eastern State. Um, he had luxuries that other prisoners did not. Uh, he had an oriental rug, artwork, fine furniture, and a radio. And it's spoiled. It, 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 it is spoiled. I mean, was that really a punishment? And it's actually rumored that he set this up for himself to get arrested after the St. Valentine's Day massacre so he could lay low for a while. Wow. But strangely, Al Capone complained himself of seeing ghosts. One of them, a victim in the St. Valentine's Day massacre, James Clark. Uh, he did not himself murder James Clark, but he did order the basically the massacre to happen. Mm. Um, he said that the ghost was in his cell block with him. Oh, that sucks. 1931, Willie Sutton, one of the prison's famous inmates, was sentenced to Eastern State Penitentiary for machine gun robbery. Um, He tried escaping a number of times. 1934, guards were informed that friends of Sutton were going to bust him out, um, so that didn't happen. Uh, Later in 1936, he and another inmate tried escaping through the sewer system, but failed. Uh, How did they fail? Get stuck in there or get found? I think they couldn't get out, which again is what's going to happen again. He tries again later in 1936, and he got further through the sewer system, but he couldn't figure out how to break through concrete so that didn't happen don't know how to break through concrete man you don't have the tools for that and then august 1941 he tried escaping again by going out the skylight in his cell he created a mask using plaster and painting it flesh colored Ew. and then took the hair from the prison's barber shop ew yeah that gross that is all disgusting i can't imagine what that mask looks like it's really freaky creepier than michael myers yeah he started making it out actually i imagine Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Like just skin of other people for some reason, even though it even says plaster. It's just how I'm imagining it looked. Well, yeah. You you know, it's not smooth. It probably like looks like it has chunky layers. Like Edward Scissorhand. Yes. I always think of that when she does his face with the Avon stuff. (laughs) Yes. Um, He started making it out before the midnight shift, but coincidentally, two other inmates were trying to escape at the same time, so the alarms went off, forcing him back into his room. And then April 3rd, 1945, Eastern State Penitentiary at Eastern State, Willie, along with 11 other inmates, crawled through a 99-foot tunnel that inmates worked on digging over a period of 11 months. Once he came up through the ground, Willie walked two blocks, turned the corner, and was face-to-face with a police officer. Oh, Willie. So he enjoyed a few precious minutes of freedom. Yeah. That since I'm sure he was like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Son of a. Yeah. 12 escapees went through the tunnel. Uh, David Atkins captured, was captured three days later in Delaware. Horace Bowers was shot and captured the same day. Uh, James Grace surrendered eight days later, walking right up to the prison gate. Clarence Kleindenst captured the same day. Uh, Robert McKnight also captured the same day. William Russell shot and captured four days later when attempting to visit his girlfriend. James Sinister captured same day. James Sinister? Sim. 
S-I-N. Oh. And Victor Samansky uh, captured three days later in Delaware. And Freddie Tenuto, captioned... Tenuto. Tenuto. Captured seven weeks later in New York City. James Van Sant captured seven weeks later in New York. And Mickey Webb captured same day as the escape. So Sutton ended up being transferred to another prison. And I... Wonder if it had to do with the, all the times he tried to escape Eastern State. Yeah. And in less than two years at Holmesburg County Prison in Pennsylvania, he went with four other inmates um, to try and escape. Uh, one inmate pretended to have an asthma attack and was taken to the hospital where multiple guards had to tend to him, which then left the prison shorthanded or short-staffed. Uh, two prisoners attacked the guards and opened up Sutton's cell. Uh, they tied up guards put on their uniforms, and made their way out of the prison. Three of the prisoners were captured the next day. One was never found, which was Freddy Tenuto. He was the one that also was gone for seven weeks from his initial escape. So he did actually, I want to say successfully escape, but we don't know what ever happened to him. So something could have happened to him, but he did escape. And we don't know what happened. And then Willie Sutton was captured five years later after this escape. But uh, he actually, he loved fine clothes. Um, So they actually passed his picture around to tailors all over to report him to the police if uh, he comes to you needing to, you know, like fix up a suit. Yes. He ended up getting recognized on a subway five years later and then was recaptured. All right. Maybe he'll leave the country. Not to give criminals any advice. Yeah. But like, come on. People are looking for you here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so by this time, the prison was housing violent criminals <clears throat> and some that were even sentenced to be executed. In 1933, there was a riot that occurred in the prison over insufficient recreational facilities. Uh, there was overcrowding and idleness. Like, there just wasn't enough to do. Uh, during this event, inmates set fire to their cells and destroyed workshops. Wow. The very next year, another riot occurred. This time, it was over low wages. The prisoner short-circuited a electrical outlet started fires and caused a bunch of other disturbances that's insane i mean could could you imagine not being part of it but like you get lumped in with them because you're yes. you're there in the area can you imagine working in this environment no it's terrible. i would be so scared for my life every day and probably one of the unfortunate suicidal ones because i don't think i could make it okay I'm well let's not talk about that <laughs> God, <laughs> heavy. Um, in 1961, an inmate named John Klonsberg tricked a guard into opening another inmate's cell, and he and the other prisoner overpowered the guard and began the largest riot in the prison's history. It took several hours for a large force of police, guards, and state troopers to reclaim the prison. Uh, the riot fueled discussions to close Eastern State Penitentiary, which had since been renamed at that time to State Correctional Institution at Philadelphia. In addition to overcrowding, the prison was was badly deteriorating and did eventually close for good January 1970. So let's talk about some of the supposed hauntings because there's probably a ton of activity. Yeah, it's very unfortunate environment. I imagine there is a lot going on there. Yeah, so it's believed that there are many trapped spirits at Eastern State Penitentiary. Many died by suicide, murder, and diseases. Eastern State does allow paranormal investigators in during late hours. Uh, They can bring in their own equipment, so... That would be interesting. It would be very interesting. I would probably do that. Really creepy at night. Like, I don't want to go to the Conjuring house, but I'd go to a prison. Seriously? Yes. Still, still firm on that. Wow. So cell block four, uh, people had seen ghosts and faces of ghosts. Supposedly one of the ghosts is of a prison guard because 
few of them died there. Uh, cell block four has a shadow figure that is often seen and sometimes shows its face through the walls. Oh, hell no. Which sounds super creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one worker in the 1990s even reported a ghost grabbing them. Um, cell block 12 is known for voices and cackling. And Ugh. there is a prisoner. There's several prisoner so apparitions. Like the Joker being there. Yeah, the cackling. cackling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, but when I think prisoner apparitions, I feel like they're the hooded prisoners is what you'd be seeing, which is like so sinister looking. Yeah. Um, cell block six. Also, there's dark figures that uh, move quickly, oftentimes through the walls. One locksmith spent uh, some time there in the 90s repairing some of the decaying locks. Uh, he was repairing a 40-year-old, a 140-year-old lock in cell block four, which is one of the most haunted cell blocks. Um, and after a long struggle, the door opened with a gust of cold air where he said he was temporarily paralyzed and was seeing the faces of tormented souls all across the wall of the cell. Gosh, that sounds horrifying. Yeah. Um, over its 142-year history, Eastern State held over 75,000 inmates. Um, in 1965, it was declared a National Historic Landmark and opened as a historic site in 1994. It was a landmark Supreme Court case in 1890 that began to change the tide for solitary confinement. A man named James Medley, who was convicted of killing his wife, was sentenced to die by hanging. He was sent to solitary confinement for 45 days. His attorney took to the Supreme Court, arguing that the extra sentencing was inhumane. From Columbia University, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Miller recognized the harmful effects of the practice, explaining a considerable number of prisoners fell after even a short confinement into a semi-fatuous condition from which it was next to impossible to arouse them and others became violently insane. Others still committed suicide, while those who stood in the ordeal better were not generally reformed, and in most cases did not did not recover sufficient mental activity to be of any subsequent service to the community. So basically, their mental illness deteriorated so badly that they were not helpful in ever being reformed. So as far back as 1890, the court recognized the harm of solitary confinement, yet in this case, the court found that although the additional punishment of solitary confinement was unconstitutional, the practice by itself was still legal. So here's some arbitrary anecdotes for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. A semi-palate cleanser, I guess. So for a minute, the government thought about repurposing Eastern State into a mall or an apartment complex. No to both. (laughs) Seriously, no to both. Seriously, no to both. (laughs) Yes. God, I can't imagine. Um, We also saw a resurgence in solitary confinement in the 1880s to 1990s due to the influx during the war on drugs. So there were more riots, violence, and assaults on the guards, which came back to putting prisoners in solitary confinement, which I hope we've learned. Like, I sincerely do. Yeah. Short term, you know, I would guess it can be used as a punishment, but like long term, it's not reforming anybody. It's just not... At Eastern State, under Block 14, there is an underground cell dug called The Hole, where a prisoner may stay for a week with absolutely no light, no human contact, and only bread and water. God, that's, so that's a nightmare. a punishment you do not want. Um, even though there were prisoners on death row at Eastern State, there were no executions at the prison. Kind of surprised. They do everything else. Why not do that? They do events on Halloween night at Eastern State Penitentiary. They host attractions, um, and one of them includes a speakeasy in Al Capone's cell. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be interesting, I think. 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely think even though the the prison has a sad history, I find it less distasteful than people that do that at asylums and mental hospitals and stuff like that. Because there I'm like, seriously, for prisons, for some reason. less control over their actions. Yeah. Uh, that's just yeah um and i couldn't find a number of deaths at the prison but guards had been murdered and i mean we know that prisoners were murdered and many committed suicide but actually hundreds did die of disease or old age and i found some but not as much info on this along with silence came other cruel punishments um one was the water bath oh no where inmates were dunked in a bath of ice cold water and then hung from the wall for the night to hung dry from off. the wall mm-hmm. oh that how is it weird i'm kind of imagining like i'm imagining like the hooks like the meat hooks no i don't think like meat hooks i don't know hung by their britches or like a big wedgie yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know it just says hung from the wall for the night our thoughts some uncomfortable way different way yeah sure does (laughs) i don't it might have just been like hung up by their wrists so maybe they were like standing on the ground but they would just be hung there that's that's probably what it was yeah that makes sense uh there was also the mad chair which was put in the hole that that pit that we talked about under cell block 14 where again no lights and inmates were strapped tightly to the chair restricting any movement for days with periods of starvation oh my gosh um some prisoners once they were removed from the restraints were permanently crippled oh wow now this is so sad this was for the worst behaved prisoners but they could be in there for weeks well if it's like a Ted Bundy, then who cares? But yeah, there's certain people yeah. <laughs> yeah. without a story. It sounds sad. Like if I knew that this person was like a Ted Bundy, you feel less sad about it. Cause you're like, oh, I don't care. You did some heinous things. Like you don't deserve. Yeah. You don't deserve to be here anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound sad without knowing the story. Okay. So that is pretty much it for Eastern state. There's really a lot more to say. And I spent so much time researching and then this, like a lot of the spooky stuff was actually really hard to find even though there's stuff all over the place about it being one of the most haunted places in the nation there wasn't as much of an abundance of information as that as there was just on like the history of it what we learned from it um it does still stand today as a museum you can visit you can do um like audio walking tours so definitely a place i would like to visit one day yeah no it's like the speakeasy night on Halloween sounds like a good old time. I think you did really well. I thought the history was awesome. Definitely more of a bummer than I expected it to be. But again, it's because you don't know each person's yeah. crimes. But yeah, that is, that's crazy. It sounds like a place. Yeah, it's a place of sadness. End up. Yeah, well, it's no longer a functioning prison. It's just a museum now. Yeah. It's a historic landmark. Better than a mall. <laughs> so this last year has been a hoot. Um, thank you to our loyal fans that have stuck by us through the bumps of being new podcasters. We now have a year under our belt and, and I'm not any better. (laughs) (laughs) And Lainey's not improved at all. (laughs) Yes, she has. You learn through experience. So thank you guys for giving us a chance because we had no experience and now we have a year of experience. We do. And we really do enjoy it. We are sisters that like hanging out with each other and talking about creepy stuff and Thank you so much for listening. And thanks for sitting with us and talking about weird, creepy stuff. So we're always looking to improve. So definitely, if you guys ever have like tips, like podcasting tips and stuff like that, 
please feel free to email that to us. We have basically been educated through trial and error and YouTube videos. So yeah. What do you think your favorite episode was? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, I think my favorite one in like researching and like talking about was probably the conjuring episode. Yeah. I really liked that. I think my favorite is still Huska Castle, just because I had never heard of it. So oh, I, was I thought like, you were going to say because of the grasshopper that got stuck in my head. <laughs> that was really fun, <laughs> and that was back in the closet days when yeah. Ashley and I were in the closet together. Back in the closet <laughs> days. Yeah, I was t- not a bad idea, but I was told that audio would be better because we were sharing a microphone and just like recording on the laptop, and the clothes just are a natural sound barrier. And we sat there in the dark. (laughs) Yep. But it was fun. It was spooky. And I I really liked that story. I just, again, never heard of it. Didn't know there was a castle with the mouth of hell in it. Yeah, we got a, we've got some other creepy, like, especially European stuff coming down the pipe. So you guys stay tuned. So if you have any of those tips and tricks, please feel free to send us those recommendations or an interesting real estate story or suggestions on episodes to haunted re that stands for real estate haunted re pod at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to the show, our Venmo is at haunted re uh, make sure if you do that to please leave a property that you'd like us to cover in the comments and or and or tell us where you're from and we will find something and please go follow us on instagram at haunted.real.estate and um, please if you could rate and review us on your preferred plot plot blast 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 thank you We'd so appreciate it. It helps us get more listeners like you. Lastly, if you're looking for a real estate agent in the Houston market, give myself or Casey, my husband slash partner, a try. We'd be honored to assist you in the home buying or selling process. Just send us an email also at hauntedrepod at gmail.com and we'll get you to the right place. Thank you for being here today and sticking with us. We love you guys. Love you so much. So much. Bye. Bye.